Michael, welcome to Diddy TV. It was just, you blew me away with your performance on the violin as a, as a fiddle player myself, not nearly in your class of fiddle playing. It was just beautiful. Oh, well, thanks. Thanks a lot for having us. So um, when did you start playing the fiddle? I read that it was, you were really young, maybe four years old or? Yeah, I started playing when I was four. Uh, my grandparents started a, a bluegrass association in southern Indiana, a little town called Henryville, where I'm from. And none of my family ever played any music, but my grandparents fell in love with bluegrass. They started this uh, association that met every second for Saturday night of the month. And then there was another one uh, in Scottsburg, Indiana, about 15 miles away that met every third Saturday, and if there was a fifth Saturday. And so pretty much we'd be going to bluegrass every Saturday, and my grandparents started taking me when I was six months old. Of course, I don't remember that, but, like, uh, there are plenty of people around the area that do, I guess. But um, I, uh, I'll never forget hearing a fiddle player when I was four years old. I heard this local fiddle player play the Orange Blossom Special, and that's what really made me want to play. And I heard that, and... I just had to had to figure out how to uh, play, if only just to play that one song. So I started school that uh, September at the Kentucky School for the Blind, and they had a strings program. Oh, they, wow. They taught uh, classical violin, the Suzuki method. And you Suzuki? You did. <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. You did better at Suzuki than I did. I no, I, I, I don't think I did. I only <laughs> made it to, like, book five, and then they said, either you're going to play classical or you're going to play bluegrass. And I said, I'm going to play bluegrass. <laughs> so that was it. They, they really didn't want me playing bluegrass for the longest time because I think they'd heard, you know how it is, you hear a bad example of something and you think that that's it. You know, you, and that, that's the whole music. And I think they heard, you know, some fiddle player playing, you know, the fiddle you know, it's really rough and scratchy, and that's what they thought bluegrass was. And uh, so it, I actually dropped out of the classical program. Like I said, you know, they kind of gave me a, a choice. Yeah, kind of an ultimatum saying that, you know, either you're going to play one or the other, and it came summertime, and it was either going to be classical workshops or bluegrass festivals. And so... I 
dropped out of the classical program for about five or six years, and then I went back when I was a sophomore in high school, and they uh, they said, "Wow, you have really improved. You're uh, you're quite a bit above where you were when when we first when we last saw you." And uh, what have you been doing? I said, well, I've been playing bluegrass. And I started bringing Kenny Baker and Bobby Hicks records and, you know, all these fiddle players. And they were just blown away. And I think they gained a whole new respect for it. Well, and at that point, you were already, you'd played with Bill Monroe. Well, yeah, I played with Bill Monroe a couple times. It's just kind of a, uh, he has a festival in Bean Blossom, Indiana. It's like Brown County. That's a great name for a town. It really is. Yeah, and he uh, he would always have a sunset jam where he would, uh, I, I think it was on either Thursday or Friday night about dinner time. Everybody, he would just set up a little, uh, well, I think he just set up a few microphones and, like, anybody who wanted to play with Bill Monroe could come up and jam with the father of bluegrass. And so I got to do that. I think it was 89. As a matter of fact, our publicist, Kimberly's husband, Blake, was in the band then. And I got a video of it I was just watching the other day. And so, yeah, I got to play with him that then and one other time, but I, I never did play in his band or anything. Didn't you also um, at one point play with uh, Allison Krause? Yeah, I, uh, Allison, I think, heard me uh, and some other kids playing at the uh, International Bluegrass Music Association Awards show in Owensboro in 1993. I was about 13. And uh, she and I met, and I think she got to talk to my grandparents and found out that, you know, my dream, like so many other people, it was to get to play the Grand Ole Opry. And so I, uh, I remember coming home from school on Friday and just hanging out in my room, and then all of a sudden the phone rang, and I picked up the phone, and this voice said, hey, it's Allison. I said, Allison who? <laughs> said, Allison Krauss. I said, yeah, right. And uh, I finally figured out it was her. And she, uh, she said, yeah, we'd like to have you on the Opry. So uh, it was uh, Thanksgiving weekend, November 27th of 93. And I think my whole family came. I think it's like 15, 20 people. It was it was a blast. Was it a thrill to play the Opry? Oh yeah, yeah. It was. It, it, if I'd have been old enough to really know what was going on, I think I was too stupid to be nervous then. You know, so uh, I'd have been incredibly nervous. <laughs> oh man, yeah, I would be now. You know, but uh, yeah, at the time I was just. It was a. I barely remember getting out on stage and playing the song. I mean, I remember hanging out backstage and, you know, there was a lot of jamming going on.
No. No? No, I never have. I've, I've always wanted to record it at just a little less speed than that, see if I can get these runs. Behind the fiddle, you know. Yeah. And I've got to sort of take my handicap kind of lightly. I don't know if you've had yours all your life or not, but I, yeah. I never could see. Yeah, Some things I can't do, but I'm going to make do with what I can You'll do. make do with what you have, son. Yes, you can. You've got a God-given talent that nobody can rob you for. So do you. Well, I had to work a lot harder for mine than <laughs> you have for some reason. Well, I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> at, at your age, I didn't, I, I didn't start out playing but like that, I am now. One thing, one thing I know one difference. You were exposed to a lot more music than I was when I was up. We didn't have much in the way of music till I was about, oh, I guess I was six or seven years old. The first little old wind-up Victrola we had wasn't much. And the, and the records with it were scant. There was just very few different things. I began to learn a bit about music on the radio when I was about 13. It got me a little old beat-up guitar that was like fretting the fence. <laughs> and you said you wanted to see my guitar. If you want to put your fiddle down, I'll let you see it. You didn't have your uh, Tim O'Brien homespun tapes in those days. No, I didn't have any Doc Watson albums to listen to or Dan Crary albums or none of that good stuff. But like when it was time to go on, I mean, it was just like a, it was it was a blur, really. But it was totally a dream come true. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points. 